Did you know that indecision is costing you money? When employees get stuck in indecision loops, it can impact their work, the work of others, commitments to clients, and ultimately, your bottom line. Give your employees access to coaching when they need to stop indecision loops and keep your business moving forward. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn about the Grand Heron Plus program for corporations. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of executive coaching, masterful facilitation, and motivational leadership speaking. The Keep Leading Podcast, as I say in my introduction, is about leadership development. Today, however, I want to discuss how we develop leaders, but more specifically, promotable leaders. Here to discuss developing promotable leaders is Amy Barnard Bond. Amy is a former Fortune Global 50 executive, a coach, an author, and a speaker. Amy has been recognized by Forbes as one of the leading coaches for legal and compliance professionals. For this and many reasons you'll discover throughout our conversation, I'm simply thrilled to have Amy here on the Keep Leading Podcast with me. Amy, welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast. Thank you, Eddie. I am so excited to be here with you today. Amy, please tell us more about your professional background and your current consulting business. Absolutely. Well, Eddie, I spent about 20 years working in Fortune Global 50 organizations, and I worked my way up to senior executive roles, such as chief compliance officer, chief administrative officer, and chief human resources officer. And in the C-suite, as you probably know, the best way to be a revered leader and successfully drive business strategy is to build healthy workplace cultures. And so in my leadership roles, I always hired an executive coach to support my work. And I know the exponential benefits that I leveraged in an executive coaching partnership. And so when I founded my leadership and coaching consultancy, I founded it around a mission to help organizations create those healthy workplace cultures by supporting executives and their teams in overcoming blind spots, effectively serving their stakeholders, and reaching their full leadership potential. My goal, as I think yours probably is with your clients, is to make leadership more effortless and ultimately help people lead happier lives. And to do this in a way where employees thrive, leaders really need to progress to a higher level of performance and teams 
must be engaged and motivated to do their best work. Amy, obviously, as an executive coach, I'm excited to hear you say what you just said. I didn't know you were going to say that, obviously. So I have to ask a little bit more about that because I am so impressed with your career, which is one of the reasons I invited you to be a guest. Your recognition of the role of executive coaching played for you. Just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I would say, Eddie, you know, when I had my first executive role is when I realized, okay, I really need to level up and I need a, I need a safe space to do that. I was lucky I had a supportive boss. I had a great executive team and I was working with some really smart, incredibly strategic people. And I knew that I wouldn't always know what I didn't know. Mm, <laughs> right? Yes. And so um, I, and I knew the worst thing you can have in my opinion as a leader is there, well, there are a few things, but one thing is blind spots because they can just kill you. You know, they can, they can just sneak up on you. And the best thing you can do as a leader is just, see around corners and try to shrink what you don't know about yourself, about how you're showing up, about your impact, the impact of your behavior on other people and getting a coach to me, number one way to do that because you can't do it on your own. Yes. And so much so you're saying that you realize that not just as a corporate employee, but as a new business owner that you would need an executive coach. Well, I actually hired, I was talking about when I was as an, an executive, but I also, yes, have hired coaches as a business owner, entrepreneur as well. I just think no one person can know everything. And so having smart, I, I highly value and invest, you know, when I was in corporate, sometimes I was fortunate and my company offered me executive coaching as a perk, but when they didn't, I paid for it myself. For me, Eddie, I, cons I considered it an investment in my career I'm, I'm a, I love learning. I'm very curious and I just love, you know, having people that challenge me that are smarter than me about different things and makes me smarter to be around them. And so I've just always surrounded myself with kind of my, you know, board of directors, if you will. And if it doesn't happen naturally, I make it happen. Wow. I simply love hearing what you said, and it's so true, Amy. Now, you went from using executive coaches to becoming a renowned coach yourself because that's how you and I met. I neglected to say you are a member of the esteemed Marshall Goldsmith MG100 family. I am, and I am so lucky to meet such amazing people like you. Well, it's very kind of you to say, I feel very fortunate to have met you, and I simply enjoy the contribution that you make to our MG100 family and seeing you on our, our Monday morning calls and, and the value that you bring is uh, just excellent. You. Now, you advise organizations on how they can create ethical workplaces is something that I read about you and what you're doing. And that struck me because if I asked nine out of 10 employees would say, of course, we have an ethical workplace. What do you mean? So what is an ethical workplace? Well, to me, an ethical workplace is a place where, and, and I'm talking about the employees right now, but it's there's tone at the top, strong leadership that supports doing the right thing, but doing the right thing's thrown around a lot, right? So let's break that down mm -hmm. a little bit. So doing the right thing means that to me, three things. Number one, employees know what's expected of them. Number two, they know where to go when they have a question or a concern. And critically, and most importantly, number three, 
They feel comfortable coming forward if they have a concern around illegal or unethical behavior. And that's so important in a speaking up culture. So for me, an ethical culture is a company that serves its three main stakeholder groups, which are its investors, its its community in which it does business and its employees. And they strive to comply with laws and regulations, but they also strive to be ethical and to see around corners because laws don't take care of everything. You can't have a rule and a policy for, for everything. I know that as a former head of HR, it's pointless. And you don't want to be, you know, finger wagging at people all the time. You want to inspire them to think about, you know, what could be the negative impact on the community that we, that we do business in? Or what could be the negative impact on our employees around supply chain disruption, around a furlough? How do we keep our good people, right? All of that. So to me, that that's an ethical workplace is people who are showing, a you know, really all together, a good faith effort, of course, supported by leadership to do the right thing. Wonderful. And this is part of the work you're doing as a consultant. But as we said in the intro, you were a Fortune 50 executive. How did you make the switch from the C-suite to consulting? I had such a great ride, Eddie. You know, I got to bounce around a little more than even a lot of other people. You know, I was a general counsel. I've been a chief human resources officer. I've been a compliance officer. And then I've been a CAO overseeing IT and marketing and communications and a whole bunch of functions. And so I felt like I had really had the opportunity to drive strategy from multiple levels. And I really loved the independence that I thought that that has brought me coaching and consulting because I also love to write. I'm also an advocate. I've been an advocate for the women on boards movement and for corporate diversity. And there are just some things that as a corporate executive, um, you may run into conflicts of interest with. You know, as an executive, I took it very seriously. I was a chief compliance officer for a Fortune 5 company, you know, at McKesson. And you, you are, when you're an executive, you are the company. Everything you say, everything you do, in my opinion, if you're doing it right, reflects on the company. And that was wonderful, you know, for 20 years. But then I wanted to do some other things. And so that meant going independent. Okay. And as you have gone independent... You've done a lot of work around what it takes to make promotable leaders. So can you share with us what makes a leader promotable? Sure. I studied this for a while. And then, of course, having done everything, Eddie, from hiring and firing and doing succession planning and RIFs and high growth industries, all the work that I did in organizations sitting through, you know, talent meetings for for 20 years and just seeing who got promoted and who didn't led me to focus on five key elements of promotability. And those are the things that decision makers really evaluate around performance when considering who they're going to promote as high potential leaders. Can you list the five for us? Absolutely. So they are self-awareness. Second is external awareness. The third is strategic thinking. The fourth is executive presence. And the fifth is thought leadership. Mm, I love those. I, I think we could do an episode. <laughs> Seriously, I we think could. we could do an episode on each of the five. Oh, we could easily. There's tons. I mean, I could talk for, for days about it, especially after you know writing this book and doing, I created an assessment that's 
free to anyone, 82 questions. And, and, um, a lot of thousands of people have taken it and I've gotten such wonderful thoughts of it. My goal, Eddie, is to, as we started our conversation around reduce blind spots. So for anyone starting out, whether they're already in the C-suite and they're looking at a corporate board, or if they're super starting out and it's their first job, these questions are helpful because they raise awareness of what people should be thinking about if they want what I would call a self-authoring career, where they're in the driver's seat, they're responsible for their own development. Sometimes you're lucky enough to get a company that's going to help you and you get an amazing boss that's also a mentor, but you and I both know that doesn't always happen, right? Far too often, it's not the case. Right, right. And so my goal is to put tools in front of people that either help leaders and organizations do a better job with that. And by the way, that also create objective criteria, which may be something that we can talk about as well, because that gets to fairness and diversity and inclusion, but also helps them just be more thoughtful about who they're, who they're promoting and why, and enables and gives a common language for employees bottom up to have these conversations with their boss. Excellent. Please tell us those five again, as well as where we can find them. Sure. So the Promotability Index Assessment, you can get a copy for free by texting the word promote me, all one word, to 44222. It's 82 questions. It's just yes or no. It's super fun. It's um, I'm actually migrating it to, to mobile as well. So that'll be happening in the next few weeks when the book launches. And it, it goes into self-awareness. But is that the name of the book as well, Amy? Oh, yeah. The Promotability is, is it, it's the PI guidebook is the book. So with the assessment plus the book, you've basically got an amazing leadership toolkit for, for you know under 25 bucks. So my goal is to make this affordable to everyone and to organizations. So I do a lot of workshops and, and speak engagements around it. And I've been helping out some mentor programs as well as employee resource groups. Wonderful. And the five areas again were? Yes. So self-awareness external awareness, strategic thinking, executive presence, and thought leadership. Wonderful. So these five keys make a leader promotable, helps them to develop. And again, I think we're going to have to do something where I can get you to uh, do another episode. We break those down. But speaking of promotability, you alluded to something earlier. Women are often left behind when it comes to receiving promotions in organizations. Do you mind telling our listeners what you specifically have done to help women around this area of promotability? Sure. I would say, number one, I, I coach some amazing women and some fantastic men as well. And men are great allies. We, we need them. Um, and I would say one thing that comes up often in my coaching in, in the C-suite, I think what I find, you can think about leadership with a different lens, which is the balance of assertiveness with approachability. And what research has shown is that those two qualities are critical for all people, men and women, but there can be a likability penalty for women if they don't lean in a little bit more at the right time to approachability versus assertiveness versus men who can get away with Eddie a little bit more leaning into their assertiveness and being a little lighter on their approachability. Indeed. And there's something else significant you've done to help women's promotability as it relates to a bill that was passed. 
Yes, thank you. I had the privilege of testifying for the first laws in the United States to require women to sit on corporate boards. And you'd, you'd wish that we didn't need a law, Eddie. <laughs> you'd wish that it, yes. it wasn't necessary. But, you know, in California, we tried a pretty please um, resolution, which is a non-binding legislative resolution. And nothing happened for two years. The numbers didn't move at all. It was like 16% of corporate board seats in the state of California for publicly traded companies were held by women, 16%. And we've got over 55% of MBA graduates and all kinds of other data showing, showing us that, you know, it's not a pipeline problem. It's an access problem. Yes. And it's due to the unique way. And, and of course, underrepresented, you know, people of color are also completely underrepresented as well. So it's not just women. And so what we wanted to do with this bill which is a mandatory bill in California, and it's been in place now for about a year and a half. And now I'm very happy to say that we actually exceeded our goal. Originally, we had a 20% goal for 2020 and we met it early. And now we're in California, we're at about 22%. Fantastic. It's, it's, it's better, right? You know, the, the data was, and I wrote an article for Harvard Business Review, actually, um, around pay inequality mm -hmm. and how companies can implement procedures around addressing pay as well for, for women and people of color and make sure that those are equitable. So I, I just like opening doors and figuring out a practical pathway to what I, I personally hope and believe companies would want. And that is, again, empowering all employees to do their best work because that's the competitive advantage companies have. Wonderful. It's not the product, it's the people at the end of the day. Anyone can copy your product if, if you wait long enough, right? It's the people. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Amy. I'm enjoying my conversation with Amy Barnard Bond. She's an attorney. She is a speaker, an author, a former Fortune 50 global executive. You can see her work in the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, the San Francisco Chronicle, NBC affiliates, and other national business publications. We'll have more with Amy right after this as we continue our discussion about how to develop promotable leaders. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one -on -one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is Lou Diamond from Thrive Loud with Lou Diamond, and you are listening to the Keep Leading Podcast with Eddie Turner. We're back, everyone. I'm talking to Amy Barnard Bond. She's an attorney an author, a speaker, and a former Fortune 50 global executive. We're talking about how to develop promotable leaders. Amy, fascinating discussion before the break, and I love the key points that you've shared with us and the index you've created. Sounds like you are just doing some incredible things out here, and I would love to know what are the big projects you're working on right now? 
Thanks, Eddie. Well, I am working on what I realized was the second half to the assessment that we that we mentioned earlier. The Promotability Index was a great assessment tool for people. But as I conducted a lot of workshops and worked last year when we were all in confinement <laughs> virtually, people asked for more. And so then I realized I needed to write a guidebook around the index. So that's coming out later this month. Okay. It'll be called the PI Guidebook. And together with the assessment, you've got a really powerful toolkit and it a little creates, bit of a one-two punch huh yeah it's what i like about it is i tried to create something that i would enjoy and that appeals to everyone it's kind of a choose your own adventure type of a guidebook you can pick which of the five elements you'd like to work on you can talk to your boss about it the most powerful discussions eddie i found are when teams do this together and I've done some mentoring workshops and other things for, for folks because it provides a common language for discussions and career succession planning with your manager. And then for leaders who find it challenging and difficult to have these conversations, which they can be, having, having been in that role, and you oh, probably yes. are too, um, it's really helpful if you can objectively say, okay, to get promoted, you would need to get better at presentations. You'd need to get more concise in your speaking you know, or you, you don't realize how you're showing up and actually you need to invest more in your relationships, your, your external awareness and some of your stakeholders, right? So this gives you that kind of a, of a checklist to work on and potentially have that discussion with your boss. And if you don't have a boss that you feel comfortable with, you can, you can go it alone, or of course you can get a coach, but at least it gets you, gets you something in your hands that gives you over 30 exercises. The guidebook is very practical, walks you through creating your own self-development plan. And again, it has over 30 exercises to create that plan based on where you are and what you want to work on. And so it helps you, the assessment helps you assess where you are and then you take those results and then you use the guidebook to develop where you're either told you need to develop or where you feel you need to. Well, this is interesting. As you are working with people on the Promotability Index and you're having the workshops and now they'll have the book coming out, what have you found to be one of the elements about promotability that people are simply just keep underestimating? The one, Eddie, that people underestimate the most is external awareness. And I've divided awareness into two different types. They're interrelated and they overlap and they're self-reinforcing. There's self-awareness, which to me is knowing your what, how, and why. Like, what are my gifts? you know, why do I do what I do? What's my mission? External awareness is equally important, but it's around how is my behavior impacting others? Am I aware of how I show up in the world? Am I, is my message getting across? Am I executing in a way that enables me to reach those goals and to fulfill my mission? And so what I find is that, you know, as a coach, and you may find this as well, is, is that people underestimate how they're showing up. They, they may make some assumptions and they may not check in enough. And I actually just wrote a Harvard article about this, which is called promotions aren't just about your skills. They're about your relationships. Mm. That kind of sums I remember that when I read that and I shared that. <laughs> oh, you did. Thank you. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I both know that promotions aren't always fair and they're not always rational. So when it comes down to promotions, your skills and knowledge and abilities are usually just the ticket to the game. And of course, you need to be good at what you do, but it's really the relationships and working with other people that get you that promotion. So that's why it's, it's really important to invest in those and learn what impact your behavior has on others 
And secondly, how you're perceived, which is often, you know, I would describe it as experiences over time. Okay. I like that. Now, I'm thinking about what you said, and I I realized something, Amy. I'm an assessment guy, too. Yep. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> There's tons of them out there. We, uh, we, we use we these drown in our coaching in practice. Yes, we can now, drown in them. At a certain point, you said, I don't care about all of the assessments that are out here. None of them are hitting the sweet spot. I'm going to make my own. So, number one, kudos to you for having the ability to thought process to make your own, but what made it necessary? I didn't see anything out there that, that dealt with the reality of how, promo- how promotions are given and that focus people in the right areas. There are many assessments that I use with my clients that are ex- exceptional. So I don't, I'm not, um, this is not a criticism of the existing amazing, you know, psychometric assessments that are out there. But mine is also just a facially valid way of thinking about how companies truly behave and act and what, what's important. And it's super user-friendly. I, I made it free for, for everyone, you know, even though, as you can imagine, it was a huge investment for me to create it. Yes. But it's, it's just 82 questions, yes or no. And it's up, to, it's up to you what you do with it. And I do have some coaches who love using it with their clients, which has been really fun to hear and very rewarding. And the way that I worded the questions, Eddie, is also so that when you, when I ask the questions, they can raise awareness in and of themselves. So I tried to combine awareness raising along with action and inspiration at the same time, if that makes sense. And so that just simply by asking a question, you know how powerful that can be as a coach, right? Asking the right question of ourselves at the right time, Mm -hmm. that can just be life-changing. And in terms of how we're framing our life, how we're looking at executing, what our priorities are, where we're spending our attention, the one precious gift that we have. And so I uh, created the assessment because I didn't see anything like it's not a personality test. It's not a, you know, conflict resolution instrument. It, it's just, you know, if you want to think about how other people think about getting ahead, that's, that's really what it's for. Wonderful. Do you have a success story you can share with us? Yes, I am happy to share one particular one that stands out that is very meaningful to me. One client that I was coaching is exceptionally brilliant and executed her job perfectly from a technical standpoint. And she was supported by her boss for his role because he was retiring and he was in the C-suite. She'd worked at this company for 10 years and had worked for all, also all the other you know, major startups, successful tech startups in, in Silicon Valley. So she has exceptional credentials. And when the CEO informally went around and said, hey, if I put this person up to replace you know, so-and-so who's leaving, would you support it? Which is, which is what happens, as you know. There's these informal conversations and people check up on you. How are you perceived? Right. Do, pe- do people want to work with you? Do they want you on the C-suite? Because once you're in that room, you spend a lot of time together, just like being on a corporate board, right? Um, you've got to know those people have your back. You've got to all be working together, especially under crisis. And he got some no's back that, nope, I wouldn't want to work with this person. They're too aggressive. My team hates them, hates working with them. My team comes to me to try to avoid directly talking to them. So this person didn't realize it, but they had, you know, were creating a long shadow 
is what I would say mm-hmm. for themselves and creating work for other executives that they weren't aware of. So I was brought in um, and worked with this person. And one of the interesting bits of feedback I got was that the team loved this person. It was peers and people above that didn't. And this person fiercely protected their team. They were warm, kind, where they were a great mentor. So I knew they were coachable. And what what I found is they just had not realized that it wasn't all about technical skills. It's really back to that other question around the awareness. They worked on it. They realized they could lean in and relax a little and be more personable and that they weren't going to be able to get their work done if they weren't working as peers in a respectful way with, with other people. And after about six months, they got the promotion. And that was very, very gratifying. That has to be fantastic. Yeah, so many times individuals don't fully appreciate that it's not about their technical prowess. Mm-hmm. It's those yeah. soft skills that are derailing their careers. So thank you for sharing this success story with us. Sure. Amy, what's the main message you'd like to make sure our listeners walk away from our conversation today with? For me, it would be really own your self-development. Con- consider it you know, a, a continuous learning opportunity for the rest of your life and, that, and know that careers aren't linear. Even for my own, I've, mine, mine look probably, would, if I drew it on a, on a map, Eddie, it would look like a zigzag with some spirals or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think when we're young, we think, okay, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to continue to work really hard. I'm going to know everything I need to know about what I need to do. And it's just a straight line. And I think if anything, this past year has proven that's not the case And so my hope is to inspire and motivate people to number one, not feel bad about that if they were hit hard in the pandemic. And number two, help them focus on what they can control. And we can always learn more. We can always be open to feedback. We can really own a lot that will help us continue learning and have fulfilling lives. And that's really my goal. Thank you. And on the Keep Leading podcast, I always like to know, is there a quote or a piece of advice that you live by that helps you to keep leading? Gosh, there are there are several. Um, I love the quote by Peter Drucker that says you should not change yourself, but create yourself. Mm. That means build around your strengths and removing bad habits. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. That's a great quote for sure for leaders everywhere to keep leading. Amy, I've thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with you. Where can my listeners learn more about you? Thank you, Eddie. They can please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and just mark in the comments that you're a friend of Eddie's and that you've been listening to his podcast so I'll know (laughs) who you are. And then you can go to my website, which is barnardbond.com. And you can download my free promotability index assessment if you're curious about where you stack up by texting the word promote me to 44222. And you can visit, also visit on my website. And I'm also in all the places. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter, but I really like LinkedIn the best. Wonderful. Well, we're going to put all this in the show notes so people can reach out to you, Amy, follow you, connect with you, and certainly take the promotable index assessment to see how they stack up as a promotable leader. Thank you for being a guest. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. And thank you for listening. That concludes this episode, everyone. 
I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.